Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today's topic, we're discussing how to get your land deals funded 100% of the time. I'm your host, Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get on the show, let's go over a question from one of our featured Discord members. Today's question is from Julio. He asked, do you guys ever get your land timbered and then sell it after? I have family that owns a timbering company, and that's something I've always been interested in. I see it as a way to make money before selling the land. Yeah, really good question, Julio. Um, and I like the mindset of trying to make some money on the land before. That being said, when if you clear cut it and cut 100% of the timber on there, you're going to lose money at the end of the day because your sale price is going to uh, tank. Like you are going to be not be able to sell that property for nearly as much. And I don't think the timber sale is going to um, pay for whatever you had to underprice it for on the sell side. So I don't think if your if your plan is to clear cut something 100%, I don't think that is a great plan. That being said, you could uh, clear one spot 100%, clear 30% of the land. Um, clear cut, sell that timber, and then the property value probably won't change much, if at all. Um, it could even go up if you have a really nice and cleared area. But that being said, if like I said, going into clear cutting 100%, you're not going to get your money back. Yeah, or select cut it where you don't take out 100% of the timber. Because what happens, guys, after, after you timber, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of what a timbered piece of land looks like. But if they 100% clear cut it, Ron, those, it get, it's extremely ugly to end buyers. There's timber everywhere. They just, it destroys a lot of the land. Select cuttings where they go through, try to keep the ecosystem alive, take certain pieces of it strategically, and you can still make some money without destroying the land and then profiting. So you got to look at what you're going to get and what it's going to sell for and how much that's going to take away from the final sale price and then make a decision based on that. Other than that, let's get into the show. Today's topic, how to get your land deals funded 100% of the time. Ron, I wanted to start with we first we haven't done a deal funding episode in a long time and i feel like this is a good refresher for anyone in the audience listening but let's let's start with the deal funding walkthrough like what what is deal funding just take us through some of the basics here yeah so basically deal funding is like there one person finds a deal and does not have the funds does not have the means to buy the property so they look for an investor essentially a deal funder a partner in this deal and there are a lot of different relationships with this when you find a deal funder, when you get that, uh, are looking for money for a deal. But that being said, the basis of it is a person finds a deal and then is looking for money. That becomes the deal funding investor relationship. Um, one person is the money side. One person is the deal finder. And we call them the manager on this. Um, do you want me to get into, Dan, like how we kind of do deal funding? We can stop there. We'll get into that here shortly. But that that kind of takes us through a walk a walkthrough of what it is, Ron. That's what I wanted to touch on first. And I next, I kind of want to get into, so why would someone use a deal funder in the first place? Just money. Like they, they don't, like exactly. You, we have people come into our program with $5,000 there for, we have so many people and I love it because they're going after big deals. These people come in the program with $5,000 for marketing money. And that's their mindset. When they come in, I have $5,000 for marketing money. I want big deals. And we have people whose first deals with very little money in their bank, their first deal is $150,000. They yeah. find a great partner, a great deal funder, and uh, make a ton of money because they're going after big deals. 
and there's there's both some pros and cons with deal funding. Obviously, if you don't have money, you're going to need to use it. But there's there's pros and cons as you scale to using it. And that's what I wanted to get into. We're going to touch the pros and cons real quick. Obviously, the pros, Ron, like you said, it's it's money, right? And it's a fairly easy rate way to raise money. And it's a way you can scale your business. There's tons of deal funders in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, uh, I think that's the biggest pro is, and it's also that long-term relationship guys, like you're building a really good relationship with someone who has money. Um, and if you kind of nurture that relationship, which I'm sure we're going to get into, like it can build really, really successful relationships in and outside of land with those uh, money partners. The most underrated pro and one of the most important pros run is risk. Essentially when you're managing the deal, you find it, you take it to a deal funder, the investor puts up 100% of the money, they're putting up 100% of the risk as well. You don't have any, you know, your house isn't collateralized, you don't have anything to where if the land doesn't sell there, you're not going to have your home taken or your car taken or anything like that. There's zero, virtually zero risk with deal funding. And I think that's one of the most underrated traditional deal funding has 0%, like zero risk. Yeah. When we say traditional deal funding guys, this is uh, a profit split. So I find a deal for $50,000. I think it's worth a hundred. I bring it to Daniel. Let's say Daniel has $50,000. He pays for the deal. I'm responsible as the manager in the deal. Daniel's the investor. I'm responsible. The manager's responsible for selling the property. Um, and then there's a profit spill on the back end. It varies based on uh, experience. It varies based on the deal. It varies based on time frame. But that being said, I don't owe Daniel monthly payments for interest. I don't owe Daniel anything if the property doesn't sell. He'll eventually take over 100% of the property. But um, there's very little risk, like Daniel said, in, from, my, from, our, from the manager side, the deal finder side. Yeah, exactly. And it's not one of those things where you're – like the underwriting process when a deal funder's underwriting you in the deal – they're, they're looking at the deal as one deal, essentially, Ron. They're not like looking at your debt and looking at your credit score and looking at all these other things, right? They're looking at the piece of land and underwriting the piece of land while keeping you in mind, hey, is this person active in the community? Do they know what they're doing? Do they have deals under their belt? And they take the combination of the land and the manager and kind of write up their own. Everyone does it a little bit differently, Ron, but they make a decision based off those two things. Some of the cons of deal funding, Ron, like you said, it's, it's obviously less risk and you can scale with it tremendously. The, one of the cons is it could be, it can, it can be more expensive. Yeah. I think with, I think risk and expensive money kind of go hand in hand and they kind of push against each other as there's less risk, the money is typically going to be more expensive. It's like credit and that's cards. what you get. what you say? Yeah, exactly. That that's very typical with, um, with uh, deal funding, like as you, when you have very little risk or no risk really in losing a significant amount of money, the deal funder who puts in that $50,000 has all the risk in the world. If something goes sideways, you don't have any money in the deal. You could lose your interest in the deal, but other than that, financially, you're not, there's no real risk to you. Um, so that, that being said, there is, it is more expensive money typically, Dan. Exactly. And I, I do want to get into the typical funding splits, like what we see as you guys are new, we see 50, 50, 40, 60. Those are fairly tip typical when you guys are new. And it's also based on time Ron, correct? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like if you sell something in the first 30 days, it's going to be a lot cheaper than if you sell it after seven months, um, in terms of the profit split amount. So, and that, that keep keeps people selling properties fast. Like that pushes people to try to get things under contract fast, um, and be urgent with that. 
it it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the investor. It's a win for the manager because they get a bigger split. Exactly. Let's just talk about overall. So say someone's even coming in with the, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, Ron. Mm-hmm. Why is funding important? Not only to the people coming in with five thousand dollars, but also the people coming in with a hundred thousand dollars. Because I mean, like a hundred thousand dollars can get you somewhere, but that also could be one deal and you're out of money all of a sudden. That could be two deals and you're out of money. That could be your first deal, like I said, could be $150,000 and you need to find deal funding. If you're doing this business, how we teach this business, which is to scale, to build a real uh, business around land investing, around what we're doing, you're going to run out of money. You're going to need deal funding relationships at some point. There, I don't know anyone in our community who doesn't at some point reach out. Maybe you're picking and choosing deals you use for deal funding, but that you're going to run out of money at some point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we teach the the way we teach, Ron, you always want to be acquiring more than you're selling because we're scaling up the business. We're upping our mailers. We're upping our text. We're upping our marketing. We have three properties we're acquiring. Oh, we only have two we're selling on the back end. And another way you can look at it is I have $200,000 of properties I'm buying. I have $100,000 I'm selling. That acquisition side is going to keep building up and building up and building up. And there's always a delay from the time you acquire to sell. So when you're growing, you naturally need more money on the front end to buy properties than you're going to be getting on the back end selling just naturally. And you're going to have times, no matter how much money typically you're coming in with, unless you have, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, you could probably swing that, but you're going to run out of money eventually is what I'm trying to say. Let's talk about Ron. You talked a little, you touched on it a little bit earlier, the long-term relationship aspect of things. So money's more expensive at first because it's more risk on the investor. Let's just put it that way, right? It's more risk on the investor because the manager's new. Uh, the Since they're new, there's just higher risk on both sides. So therefore, there's higher money. But let's talk about that long-term relationship after they do deals, after they do deals successfully with you, they're working hard. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the best things about this is, I mean, it's really any investor relationship is once you build that trust and you you can get the money back for the investor, you can make them solid returns, your money is going to get cheaper with them. Um, if you commit and you keep them updated, you do everything you should do from your side, they are going to be very happy with you on the back end. If you have a short-term mindset on this and like once you get their money, you're going to do whatever the heck you want um, and sell a property on your own terms and take time, whatever it is, that's going to be harder to get money from them in the future. Um, I'm talking five, 10 years down the line. These partners, especially in our community, these people will still be here funding deals five, 10 years from now. Um, so keeping those relationships, it's it's easy, Dan. Like it, that's the biggest thing. Like it takes an operational stress out of your business. If you get a $250,000 deal and you know I can go to X person for the money, like, and I've built that relationship, that's a lot simpler than trying to find a new partner who has 250 grand. Eventually, those people with $200,000 are going to run out if you screw them over. And it's confidence on the front end too, like being able to send out offers with $300,000 on them, $500,000, knowing you're going to be able to get funding, talking to them on the phone, being confident about it. That that trickles down to your business and it trickles down to the health of your business. Like this is a banking relationship essentially, and you have to treat it like that because as you get more time, it's going to get easier to get, you know, get funding from these people. There's times where we trust the, we usually look at the deal somewhat around, but there's times where we'll trust an uh, manager so much that we barely look at the deal because they have such a good track record with us. They've done well. We know they're going to list it right away. So you got to work. It, it's a win-win relationship when it's done right. But like Ron said, it can go the other way. There's people who sit on the property. They don't list it, whatever the situation is. They're not on top of it and it goes by. And 
obviously we have those notes. Obviously we know what's going on. Next time they come to us for funding, Ron, that's more than likely going to be a no because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's not something that as an investor, like you forget, like you don't forget who, not necessarily screwed you over. It's just someone who like, my money doesn't feel as safe with X person. And as an investor, like you have that in the back of your mind, a hundred percent for sure. And you're not going to forget it. Um, just like, uh, on the reverse, if someone just kills the deal and just does amazing, does everything they're supposed to do as a manager, you're sure, sure as heck going to remember that because they got you a great return in, in a fast way and kept the communication, everything like that. So yeah, it, yep. it goes both ways a hundred percent and it just makes your business so much easier to run if you have reliable deal funders that you have done right for it's just it's gonna allow you to scale because you can put folks in other areas exactly and what's what's like when people are coming in a lot of people ask what's the best way to find funding there's a lot of the cycle of land investing is what i like to put it ron is you come in typically not everyone but comes in with very little capital very little free cash and then they put it in the business they get some of their own deals they use deal funding then they have some extra money, they buy some of their own deals, they stack up their cash a little bit more, and then they can start deal funding. And that's why there's so many deal funders in the community because of that cycle, Ron. But let's talk about how to how to find those people, how to find these relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're active in our community, you kind of naturally run into them, hear about people funding deals, whatever it is. Uh, th- I think that's the best way for it to be a very natural relationship. Whether you've talked to Daniel and I a few times and then have a deal for us to fund, um, or it's someone else that you've had a relationship with. Uh, I, I think it just comes to community. And as a deal funder, like this, 100% for us, I know it's other people as well. As a deal funder, as an investor, if we see someone who's really active in our community, uh, really trying to make this work, they're more likely to get our money as well as a person who like, we don't know what they've been doing for less. Maybe they have been doing a lot of things. But if they're not active in the community, it it hurts the trust factor. And I just, I'm just more unsure of the situation then. Yeah, you don't know that consistency is there because the fact is we've had people come submit deals and then kind of go MIA. When you have someone in the last nine months in the community, Ron, who's been active on the calls, commenting on things that you know they've been there and have been consistent. So it definitely adds up. Next, I want to talk about, so you, so this has been kind of a hot topic in the community, Ron, it's other ways to source funding. Right. And mm-hmm. there's traditional banks. You obviously have friends and family, things like that. I personally recommend always not leveraging one side too heavy. With deal funding, like we said, there's zero risk. You start getting into friends and family. That can get a little risky at times. And then you also start getting into traditional bank loans, things like home lines of credit, home equity line of credits, things like that, Ron, which are heavily, heavily collateralized against you. My recommendation has always been to kind of mix the mix the options, mix the three, raise some money from friends and family, do some traditional deal funding. Maybe eventually when you get, you don't want to get a, you know, a HELOC, your first deal. You just typically, that's high risk. If you have a really good deal, maybe, but typically you don't because that's risking it all. Essentially, you want to get deal funding. The, the good, the other good thing about deal funding, we didn't really talk about Ron is expertise. Like if you get a good deal funder, they can provide good insights. And that's what Ron and I do on our deal funding. We open up a chat with you guys and have our team behind it, analyzing the deals. And also Ron and I commenting, it's a, it's a good relationship from that aspect. So they can do that. And that's why at first run, I don't think opening up a HELOC or a traditional bank loan or anything is the best idea. But as you get things rolling and you're confident and you're making some money, that's another way to kind of diversify where the money's coming from. 
Yeah, like the way we look at it is like what if whatever it is, if it's a bank thing and I can't sell the property, like am I going to have to – is it bankrupt? What is the situation? Um, and if you're in that situation where like I, I take a $100,000 loan from a bank or whatever it is and I can't pay that 10 months from now if I unless I sell the property for X dollars, like that is not the right place to get investing from in my opinion. Um, that being said, like Daniel said, the best way, I think initially the deal funding relationship is so advantageous for new people because one, like you said, they get the expertise along with zero money risk. Like that is, you cannot put an emphasis on how important that is. It's a brand new industry for you guys or for, for new people in general, it's a brand new industry. You're doing this for the first time. You're flipping a piece of land. If you can get something that has zero financial risk on you. I don't know. I just, and such a big upside. I think it's a great thing for people who are doing their first, second, third, fourth, fifth deals, honestly. I completely agree. If you guys are interested in our deal funding, or if you guys have a good deal you want us to look at, you can submit it on our website. It's on land investing online, our website, and then just click deal funding, submit it. Ron, I don't have too much more to add. I think we covered a lot here. No, I think it's really good guys. Just like, like we talked about, just kind of think about your different options when you're getting those deals. Um, don't over uh, collateralize anything, uh, balance everything out. I think it's important. And you can stay out, scale with deal funding. You can scale with bank funding. You can scale on a bunch of different ways, uh, but you are going to need those relationships. Like keep that in the back of your head. If you have $200,000 in the bank, it's not going to always be there if you're doing this business because there's so many big deals out there and you're going to need those relationships. I mean, I personally know people around who have only done traditional deal funding. You know, it was I talked to a guy a couple, I remember a couple of years ago who's only done the he really does 50-50 profit splits, traditional deal funding. That's all he does. I think he was divorced. He didn't want uh, he didn't want to raise any outside money or anything like that. He just gave away half his profit, and he was scaling his business like crazy, and I thought that was a really cool thing also. Other than that, guy, guys, thank you for joining. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. It helps drive our mission forward. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.